believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the Blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4, 6, that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Now some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that 1. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. 2. Regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit. That is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. Now the truth I am going to establish from Scripture is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is another or adjunct work of the Holy Spirit that is separate and distinct from the working of the Holy Spirit in regeneration, that is, spiritual rebirth or salvation. To begin that explanation, I want to first turn to John seven thirty-seven through 39. Here it says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if any one is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Rivers of Living Water now, you recall, in the previous chapter, we talked about the story of the woman at the well, and Jesus spoke what he spoke at Jacob's well, because he was talking about the working of the Holy Spirit, the living water, in rebirth, or regeneration, or salvation. 
To do so, he invoked an analogy comparing the natural water in Jacob's well, which could only quench physical thirst, to the living water's work in regeneration when the Holy Spirit comes into a person and regenerates or renews their spiritually dead human spirit, becoming a well of water springing up to eternal life. But notice the difference of what Jesus was speaking about here on the last day, the great day of the feast of booths or tabernacles. In the passage quoted previously, John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. In verse 38, he said, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow. Now a well does not have a flow of water. In fact, people have to dip into it in order to draw water out of it, as Jesus was asking the Samaritan woman to do. Give me a drink. She would have had to dip into the well with a bucket or some container she had brought with her to the well to bring out water from it. A well is not something out of which the water flows on its own. It is a container of water. It contains the water. But Jesus speaks here of rivers of living water. He said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. In fact, Jesus speaks not of a river, singular, but rivers, plural, of living water. As we shall see, that is an important distinction. Moreover, it also distinguishes the analogy of rivers of living water from a well of water. Jesus invoked in the previous analogy of Jacob's well in his conversation with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Notice also that he identified the well from which these rivers of living water flow as the born-again believer's innermost being, which is a term referring to the human spirit. The King James translators rendered the Greek word Jesus invoked, koelia, as belly, but it was a figurative connotation. Jesus was evoking, referring to what the NASB translators more appropriately for modern English usage rendered innermost being, which is a reference to the human spirit. Every human being has a human spirit, albeit at birth it is dead in your trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1 which means we are born into spiritual death. Or in other words, when we are born physically, we are dead spiritually. That human spirit with which we are all born, which is a spiritual and non-physical specter, if you will, or of the spirit realm vis-a-vis physical, is located somewhere behind the stomach in the human anatomy. That is why Jesus called it the innermost being. I realize such matters are subject to mockery and ridicule by intellectual agnosticism, but that detracts not one iota from the truth of it. Though I will say that human language sometimes fails when attempting to describe spiritual matters, which, as the Apostle Paul explained, are spiritually appraised. 
But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Spiritual things can only be understood through the Spirit. The intellect cannot understand them. Now, in this dissertation in John seven thirty-seven through 39, we are examining, Jesus is talking about something that is going to flow out, not something that is merely being contained in, as he was speaking about in regeneration, when our human spirit becomes the spiritual well that contains the Holy Spirit, and that living water of the Holy Spirit contained in our human spirit springs up to eternal life. Here, in this monologue, he's talking about something that's flowing out of people, like a river, a river of endless flow of living water. And how true this is. In regeneration, the Holy Spirit comes to that person who has been regenerated by the Spirit, bringing with him the Zoe life of God. Inherent in the life of God is the nature of God the divine nature, of which Peter declared born-again believers are partakers, 2 Peter 1.4. The divine nature is God's life, zoe in the Greek, and with the divine nature comes the attributes of God, what Scripture calls the fruit of the Spirit, which are identified specifically in Galatians 5.22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It is at that time that the believer receives the life of God that he or she receives into his or her now regenerated human spirit, the fruit of the Spirit which is an inherent part of the divine nature or life of God. Again, human words or language sometimes are inadequate and fail when attempting to describe spiritual matters. But what I am trying to point out is that with the infusion of the life of God by the agency of the Holy Spirit, who is the divine nature, which consists of the attributes of God, that is, the fruit of the Spirit, these fruit attributes are injected into the regenerated human spirit. Again, the attributes of God, inherent in the divine nature, are what the Holy Spirit delineated as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, It is vital to understand that I am not saying that believers, having been infused with the life of God or the divine nature, are then themselves divine or deity, as some critics erroneously allege it is being said, implicitly or explicitly in teaching on this matter. I will state categorically that believers do not then become divine, or deity at the new birth, because it is only their spirit in which regeneration occurs and is born again. But the carnal nature, the sin nature, 
the Spirit now working in the sons of disobedience still abides in their unperfected, unsaved, unrevived soul and body, which condition will not change until the sounding of the last trump of God, when in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and we will be changed. 1 Corinthians 15:52. It is at that glorious moment when all believers receive the redemption of our body, Romans 8:23, that the sin nature shall be removed or eradicated from the redeemed. That transaction of rebirth or regeneration resulting from the infusion of the human spirit with or by the Holy Spirit, though others will certainly benefit from the resultant transformation in the heart and life of the regenerated believer, is preeminently for that person who has experienced regeneration and their right standing with God, their relationship with God. That's the import of the portion of Jesus' statement springing up to eternal life. He is describing an upward-downward, vertical coursing of the living water of the Holy Spirit from a filled human spirit to God, establishing, or more accurately, re-establishing the relationship of the person receiving the Holy Spirit with God, through the infusion of the Holy Spirit. But in the second working of the Holy Spirit, it is rivers of living water that begin to flow out of the person's human spirit who has been baptized or immersed in the Spirit. And what is imparted at that point is the gifts of the Spirit, because the gifts of the Spirit charismata, Greek, are supernatural gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, the preeminent and primary object and beneficiary of which is other people, rather than that person who is baptized or immersed. And so again, we see that Jesus himself is making a distinction between the baptism or immersion in the Holy Spirit and what happens in regeneration with the infusion of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in the human heart or spirit. Again, to state it succinctly, in regeneration, the Holy Spirit comes to live in the believer, bringing the life of God manifest in the form of the fruit of the Spirit making the believer a container of the life of God and establishing his or her relationship with God. In the Spirit baptism, the Holy Spirit comes upon or on the believer, bestowing the power of God, manifest in the gifts of the Spirit, making the believer a conduit contrasted to a container a conduit through which the supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit flows out of the believer unto others, as opposed to being resident in the believer. Friends, I hope you understand how vital 
this teaching is, you are hearing. The real truth regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This issue is the most critical issue to the Christian life after salvation itself. It is for that reason that our adversary, the devil, has continued to do all he can to hinder and, if possible, preclude believers from receiving it. Since that fateful day when Jesus himself the heavenly prototype of the sons of God was baptized in the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove as a visible sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was first poured out upon the church imbuing them with power from on high. In the 2,000 years plus that have transpired since, no other single issue has been more controversial, fiercely debated, and bitterly divisive in the annals of church history. And that should not be surprising at all because the last thing on earth that Satan wants people to know is the real truth regarding the inexhaustible and uncontainable supernatural power that is made available to every believer who receives of this same immersion in the Spirit. It is the same baptism that John, the original Baptist, declared he needed to receive from Jesus. It is the same baptism with which Jesus himself, as the prototype of the sons of God and our ultimate model in all spiritual things himself received, which elicited the divine vocal response from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Friends of God, if you have even the slightest desire to be well-pleasing to God, there is no other way to achieve that place of standing with our Heavenly Father than following in the path laid by the heavenly model who came to earth as a man to show us the way to fellowship and favor with the Father and likewise receive of this indescribable gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That same outpouring of the Spirit is still flowing yet today, and it is available to every believer who understands that if Jesus himself needed the empowerment that came upon him through the baptism in the Holy Spirit to begin his ministry and perform the works of power he demonstrated, then certainly 
they must also have that empowerment in their own life if they are going to fulfill Jesus' prophecy that believers would do the works that he did and even greater works than he did. It's available to you today, friend, but you must take a step of faith and follow in the footsteps of the original Baptist and tell Jesus you recognize that he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and fire and ask him to baptize or totally immerse you in the living waters of the Spirit of God. He will do it, but he testified that you must ask him for the Holy Spirit's baptism. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it, and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it based on scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit And if you have not done so yet, I want you to have this special book and or audio book I've prepared for you to help you understand it and to receive this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I am making the book itself available to you for a donation to the Real Truth Radio program or podcast of any amount. For those of you who can, please make a donation of at least $20 to cover both the publication cost of the book as well as the shipping and handling. And if you can, send more to help us to send the book to someone else who cannot send a donation. However, for those of you who cannot make a donation of $20 or more, we will send you the book for a donation of any amount. So again, you may request the book separately for a donation of any amount. And if you can, please send a gift of at least $20 if you are able to do so. Now, If you would also like the eight-disc set audiobook to go along with the book, please send a donation of $50 or more to cover shipping and handling for both products and the products themselves. 
Again, that's a donation of $50 or more to cover shipping and handling for both the book and the 8-CD set audiobook. Now, there are three ways for you to place your orders for these products, by U.S. mail, through our website, and even by email, plus an online donation. If you are ordering by U.S. mail, please send your request to The Real Truth, Post Office Box 911, Jupiter, Florida, 33468. Again, that's The Real Truth, Post Office Box 911, Jupiter, Florida, 33468. When you write... Be sure to provide the date you heard this program, the website on which you heard the podcast, or the call letters of this station that you heard the program on, along with your name and complete mailing address. You can also order the book and audiobook online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal Donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com to place your order, and where you can also listen to the recordings of all our podcasts. Now, you can also order the book and or audiobook online via email with an online donation at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Now send the email to orders at realtruthradio.com orders at realtruthradio.com and then go to paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to make the donation. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast Share with your friends and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then... This is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.